Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 John. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, we have people here ready to hand out Bibles to you. If you forgot your Bible or don't have a Bible, you grab one of these Bibles and turn to the book of 1 John. If you don't own a Bible, for sure, throw your hand up, grab one of these, take it as our gift to you. But go to the book of 1 John. If you want to just go to the very end of the Bible, the Revelation, or work your way back, you'll hit 1 John, right? It's right near the back there. As you're turning there, I was thinking of an illustration that when I was in high school, a youth pastor used, and, and I've never forgotten it, never have. In fact, it, it fits well with even where we're going this morning. It's, if you were to think of this rope, this rope just going on forever and ever, you, just, you were to think of this rope as a timeline to represent time, and, and, and it just represents eternity as it goes on and on and on to eternity. And as, as the timeline of eternity, you, you look kind of at this, this little white part at the end here, and, and you'd think, of the, well, if this is eternity on forever and ever, this is the here and now. This is our life right now. This is what it represents from, from birth to death. This is it. When you think about it in those terms about, wow, wow, we, we sure spend a lot of effort and worry and time and, and about this one small part of, of who we are. I mean, we pour out so much energy to make sure that, man, I want to enjoy this. I want to be sure that everything here works out well for me. And we, we sometimes forget wait a minute, I've been created for something greater than that, that, that if you're a Christ follower, that you've been promised eternity with him. And yet we, we work so hard, and, and how, how hard do we work? To, man, I want to make sure I've got enough saved up so even the last little part of this is going to be really enjoyable. Right? Or, or, or what about if you're a Christ follower and you, you do things like, you know what, I'm going to do things differently because I see eternity. I, I see what really matters. And, and you start to live your life that way. And how many people would say, man, what are you doing? What you're doing with your finances is foolish. You're like, really, really, really? You want me to, you want me to make all my finances be about this? When, when I'd rather live my life for eternity? And the, the choices you're making, like, like, are you crazy? No, 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 maybe as, a, as you look through what really matters, as you look through our lives in light of eternity, what would it change about this small little slice that God's given us here and now? This moment he's given us to live for the purpose of eternity. I've been thinking a lot about that. You know, what does really matter? In light of eternity, what, what really matters? We're gonna be jumping into this series over, over the next 13 or 14 weeks leading up to Easter, just talking about, man, what, what really matters? I mean, when you peel away all the distractions of life, all the day to day, what matters is what's eternal. Even as a church, I mean, we've been through a lot over 10 years. We've seen God grow our church uh, both in width, but for sure in depth as well as we, we're just growing closer to each other and seeking out what the Lord would have for us. And, and now as we look to a, a third location to be launched, here's the thing that can happen. We just went through a financial campaign and, and here's what can happen in that. Our focus, even in church, even as we're looking towards this as an eternal thing, as something we want to do for eternity, we can be distracted by the here and now. <coughs> We can miss, even in the midst of doing church, what's really important, what really matters. And here, the, the apostle John, writing this letter here, he, he's writing this letter, and, and he unpacks this idea of what really matters so well. <coughs> he's an older man writing this, this letter, probably nearing the end of his life, and he's the last surviving of the 12 disciples. 
He's a pastor to writing this letter to churches surrounding Ephesus. And, and, and I, I picture him writing this letter as this old guy. You know those, those, those old wise saints who, who can kind of step into a situation and they see things so differently because kind of they've been there, done that, and, and they see they're, they're coming to the end of that little slice. And I, I can kind of picture John stepping in and seeing all the stuff going on and him just being like, you know what, I'm too old for this stuff. Guys, this is what really matters. We're gonna see as he begins to unpack this idea, what he talks over and over about is, man, you need to know. You need to really know. You need to understand the love and the grace of God. That, that, that when you start to live your life, this is your foundation, who God is and what God says about you. When that's your foundation, everything changes. It impacts the way we live, especially we're gonna see in this letter, it impacts how we, how we see each other and treat each other. And what he's saying is, this is what matters, that you would know this and, and let's cut through all the clutter, let's cut through all the noise and let's really drive in on, hey, what is the foundation of your life? So here's my hope in this series that we would get. My hope is this, that we would know that we have eternal life and that we would experience the love of God. And those are the two things I hope we get as we, as we go verse by verse through this, this letter that John wrote, through the, through the scriptures. And, and so this morning, for us this morning, that we would see those two foundations and, and how those things will change the way we walk in the world, that we'd have different priorities because of this foundation. It'll change the way we view sin. It'll change the way we view our stuff. It'll, it'll change the way, especially John hits on this, how we treat each other how we do life together as a church. In fact, we're gonna unpack the first four verses this morning, but look at verse four of 1 John chapter one. It says this, it says, we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So that our joy would be full. And I love that he doesn't say so that my joy, he says so that our joy. He's writing to the church. So he's writing to us saying, hey everybody, we wanna have our joy to be full. He's going to have a lot to say about, hey, what does it look like in your life as you walk out your faith in Christ? But, but he especially spends so much time through this letter talking about the our walk. What are we doing as a community? I mean, if you're walking out this Christian life and you, you kind of got this idea that, man, I come to church every once in a while, but, but my walk with Jesus, this is Jesus and me, man. Like, I don't need to, it's a private thing. I don't need to get involved in a small group. I don't need to get involved in people's lives. You can stay out. It's just me and God. It's this private thing I got going with. John would say, that's impossible. Your joy won't increase by itself. It's, it's our joy. And so you're gonna see a lot of community talk in this letter. But what I really want us to get a hold of this morning as we jump into it this morning, what I really want us to see is that we can have a full joy, a complete joy, a total life-changing joy, a joy that runs deep, so deep that even in the midst of pain or uncertainty, you can have this deep sense of joy. A joy that's deep, a joy that's, that comes from a supernatural place. A joy that's different than the, than the external joys we have. The, the, these other joys that come out, I mean, they're blessings from God. You kind of think of them as, as, as rain coming on you. Like, you know, maybe it's, it's you're succeeding at school or your work is doing well or, or relationships are going really good or, or somebody gives you a compliment and, and those are great blessings. Those are, are great joys. But there's, there's another kind of joy that, that runs deep beneath all that. 
That even when you don't receive the rain of joy from the outside, the roots of your life are deeply planted in this deeper river of joy. Psalm 1 talks about it. Psalm 1 talks about uh, that, that our life would be like a tree planted by streams of living water so that, that in season and out of season, whether there's rain or whether there's drought, this tree produces fruit and life. That's roots. That's a foundation of our life that's, that's going down deep into this deeper joy. Now, here's what I don't mean when I say that. I don't mean that as Christians, we should always be just happy, clappy, life is good, put a smile on, who cares, you know? My mom just got in a car accident, but I'm doing good because I'm a Christian and it's all joy. No, like that, that's not what this joy means. Here's what a deeper joy means. It means that you can have mourning and grief at the same time you have this deep joy. But this joy runs so deep that, that in the moments of mourning, in the moments of grief, in the moments of difficulty, you're not led to despair. Now, where does this joy come from? How, how do we get to this place? I mean, what is it that really matters? It gives us this deep, complete joy. The first is this. The first of two points this morning is this. I can know that I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now, I can know that. I, I, I can know that I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. I mean, this is why John wrote this letter. He said, well, I want you to know about this. Not, not just, just all the stuff around you, not the stuff that your wor the world tells us is important, but that, that you would know the whole purpose of this letter. In fact, if you flip over a page or two to, to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, John says, hey, here's the whole purpose of this letter. Here's why I'm writing this. Verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. He's writing to us as a church, those who are Christ followers, what? That you may know that you have eternal life that you would know that you have eternal life, that you would know the love and the care of God, that you wouldn't have doubts. Now, thankfully, nobody here ever struggles with doubting God's care, right? You never struggle with doubt here, right? No, we do, don't we? We have those times where, we, where we're struggling and, and John's stepping into those moments, into those moments where there's a struggle and going, listen, listen, you can be sure of God's eternal love for you. You can be sure of it, he says. I want you to know this, he says. I mean, think about things that you know 100% for sure. Like there's no doubt. It's like 100%, I know this is true. I mean, by show of hands, how many of you know your heart is beating right now? Anybody hit show of hands? Okay, some don't know that or your heart's not beating enough to be able to lift your hand up. I get that, right? No, like you know that, right? 100% sure your heart is beating. Well, well, here's the thing. John's saying, listen, listen, you can know God's love for you as sure as you know your heart is beating. You can know you have eternal life. And listen, doubts will come, Satan will accuse, life will confuse us. But in that moment, my, my hope is as we unpack 1 John this morning and for the next few weeks, that, that when those moments of doubt come, when those moments of confusion come, you'll have tools to be able to go back to 1 John, open it up and be able to say, hey, hey, no way, Satan. I know. I know as sure as my heart is beating that I have eternal life and that changes everything for me. Now, why would that be important to know this? And I would say, after 25 some years of full-time vocational ministry, I'm gonna tell you, I, I run into so many people who struggle with doubt again and again. I mean, you can say, hey, hey, hey where are you at with Jesus? And they would say, you know, I, I don't know. Well, do, do you know the gospel? I think so. 
Do you know that your sins have been forgiven and taken care of? I guess I kind of know that. And listen, it's so important to know this. Without having assurance that, that you're on the team, that you're with God, it's, it's real tough for us to move forward together. If you're wondering, man, am I even on the team? I mean, think about it. Think about if, if, if like this week you got a call from the Toronto Maple Leafs and they drafted you to the team. Like, hey, we've seen you play. We've watched your men's league and you're killing it there. So uh, you're in, you're on the team, right? And so, so you get the uniform, you, you show up at the rink, you're, you're ready to go out. It's, it's hockey night in Canada, man. You're in and you go out of the ice, but you're not sure. You're like, oh, man, am I really on the Leafs? Maybe I'm supposed to be on the other team. I mean, I know I got the uniform, but maybe I'm supposed to wear their uniform. Maybe they've got it wrong. Maybe, uh, how are you going to be? How's that person on the ice? How, you think, you think you're going you're gonna to skate hard for your team? You think you're going you're to be able to defend well, get in the corners well? You think, no, right? Because you, you'd be living with so much confusion in that. I mean, how often do people struggle? Man, do I, do I, do I even know that I'm saved? And Satan loves to keep those thoughts rolling around in our heads. Why? He wants us to be always concerned. Man, am I on the team? Why? Why? Because it leaves us ineffective. It, it pulls us out of community. It, it stops us from moving forward. It, for sure, if we're not totally sure of our eternity with Christ, it'll stop us from stepping out in those moments where we need to take a leap of faith and a risking for the cause of the gospel. We'll hold back. So here, John so I want you to know you have eternal life. He uses this phrase eternal life over and over again 10 different times in this letter. He also uses the word knowing or perceiving almost 50 times. This short letter, 50 times. John's like, man, I want to make sure that you know this, that you know you have eternal life. So important. So important. Why? Because we live as ineffective Christians when we don't know this. I think there's another reason why John wants us to know about eternal life is because not, not, a, not only are, are there some Christians who are struggling with doubt, but, but as he was writing this in the church there that John was writing to, there were some who thought they were Christians, thought they had eternal life, but they weren't really putting their hope in Christ. There, there was no evidence of, of the love of Christ in their lives. And so people were saying, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, but they didn't truly believe in Christ. Oh yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, but, but they weren't obeying or, or following Christ. People, people who would be saying, yeah, I'm a Christ follower, but, the, but no evidence of the love of Christ in their lives. And so we're gonna see as we keep going through this series that John would say to those people, hey, you're not Christians at all. You actually don't have eternal life with Christ. And listen, the last thing I would want would be for there to be people sitting here Sunday after Sunday thinking you're a Christian when you're not, thinking you have eternal life when you don't. Now, I want you to know, I want you to know you have eternal life. So here's the key, here's the key. How, how, how will I know I have eternal life? The key to knowing if you have eternal life is that Jesus is eternal life. It's in Christ Jesus. I mean, the, the first thing that John's teaching here, what the, the Bible is teaching here is that Jesus is eternal life. He says, I want you to know that you have life and, and, and to know that I want you to know Jesus and, and not just know about him, but do you truly know Jesus? So if you have your Bibles open, look at the first three verses of 1 John chapter one. He says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was made manifest and we've seen it. 
and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father, which was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, when you read through the book of 1 John, I'd encourage you, even over these months, just keep reading through it. Just study it along with us as we, as we dig into it together. But you're going to find something that John can sometimes sound confusing. Right? He's a bit repetitive. He's, I mean, he's saying the thing, same thing over and over again, kind of. But what you see here, you see this passion and excitement in John as he's, as he's getting us towards this truth. He's saying, hey, hey, here's the truth. We, we've seen this. We, we, no, we've heard this. No, we've touched this truth. It's been made manifest. It's been made real to us. Now, at first, it sounds like when you read through these verses, is he talking about like a concept? Is this like the, the idea of eternity, the philosophy of this, a kind of a, a, a theology of, inter, of eternity? But what's he say? He says, we've seen it with our eyes and we've physically touched it with our hands. He's saying, this idea of eternal life that I want you to know, you can't separate it from the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is eternal life. In fact, in, in the a gospel account that John wrote, he says in John 17, 3, he's talking about what Jesus prayed once and Jesus prayed this. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So you think about it, in, in a world filled with, with religions and ideas and thoughts, Jesus steps in and says, no, no, I'm the only way to eternal life. He says in verse two that that. Jesus was made manifest. Eternal life was manifest. We've seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim it. That Jesus is the true revelation of God. Verse one, that which was from the beginning. He, he, he's the author of life from the beginning, but, but we've seen him. We've heard him. He's God in human flesh. He's God come to us. I mean, this is the breathtaking reality of, of Scripture that, that the eternal life, the author of life, the, 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 the one who was there when the world began, he's come to us. He's come, and he's Jesus. I mean, this changes everything for us. I mean, the implications of this truth, that, that Jesus is the, the only way, it has ramifications for every single life in this room. Not, not just your life now, but your life for eternity. Not, not just your life in general, but, but the very details of your life. Every single decision. I mean, there are many people, as John was writing this letter in first century, that, that were professing Christians who, who had this small view of Jesus. And so as a result, they had a small view of what it meant to follow him. And today, today, there are many people who have a small view of Jesus. And as a result, they have a, a, a small view of what it means to follow Jesus. And John's saying, listen, if you have a small view of Jesus, you don't really know him. But, but if you really see him and touch him and know him, I mean, if, if Jesus is really who he says he is, you can't stand back from Jesus and say, he's a pretty good teacher. I like what he wrote about. I like what he talked about. I mean, I'll kind of follow that stuff. Listen, listen, if we follow him as God, that, that he's the only Lord over our lives. He's the Lord over our families. He's the Lord over our stuff. He's the Lord over our schedules. He's the Lord over our futures. He's the Lord over all of everything we have. In our, and, and listen, this is the stumbling block of Jesus. 
This is what makes grabbing a hold of the joy we can have, the joy of knowing eternity in Christ. And what makes it so hard is that, that Jesus strips away every pretense of our hope being in, I can be my own God. I mean, if Jesus is who he says he is, listen, we no longer can do our own thing. Why? Because he's Lord. We no longer can, we no longer can pretend that, that we're self-sufficient, that we got it all under control because Jesus steps into the middle of that pride and says, really? Really? Because here's who you really are. You're somebody who's wrecked by the, the sickness of sin and you need to come to me for healing, he says. We can't depend on our own wisdom for life. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He's the Lord over the universe. He's the Lord over you and me. And, and eternal life is only ours as we bow our knee to his lordship in our life. We need to make Jesus not just a part of our life, but Jesus is our life. Not, not just on our Sundays, but our entire life. Because John would step forward and say, listen, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have eternal life. Now, here's my second hope for us to see this morning. And it flows out of that first hope. It's this. My hope is this, that, that I can know the incredible love of God. That first we would have a, a hope of eternity. Second, that we would, we would experience, we would know this incredible love of God. And John repeats it over and over again about the love of God. 50 times in 100 verses, John talks about the love of God. He says, I want you to experience it. Not just know about it, not just hear about it, but, but, but experience it. I mean, we, we can use this phrase, God loves you so much in church, right? You, you'll hear it all the time. It's, it's so common for us to say it, but, but what's it mean? What's it mean for us to hear that, that God loves us? I mean, not just to hear it in our, in our head, not just to, to know it from a, a theological perspective, but to actually understand it in our heart, to feel it, to experience it. Because there's a big difference between just knowing about God's love, just hearing about it, and, and, and experiencing God's love. In fact, I'd say it'd be like this. It's, it's like the difference between, have you ever seen pictures of the Grand Canyon and actually being at the Grand Canyon? Just last winter, I had an opportunity to, to take my family to the Grand Canyon. And, I, you know, we were showing our kids pictures. This is what it would be looked like. This is what it's going to be. And they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Right on. A big hole in the ground. Sounds good, Dad. Right now, we're, we're going to bring them there. And if you know my kids, especially my two younger ones, they never stop. They're just cartwheeling everywhere. They don't even walk. They just cartwheel. We're going somewhere, let's go. And they're trying to flip and cartwheel. We get them to the edge of the Grand Canyon and my kids stopped. And the family were just in awe at the edge looking out. Because why? Because we're actually experiencing it. There, there's a difference between talking about it and actually seeing, being overwhelmed by it, by the beauty of the Grand Canyon. Listen, I want us to see the Grand Canyon of God's love in a way that you don't just hear about it, but you actually experience it. You don't just know about it, but you're, you're overwhelmed by the love of God. You're, you're left speechless in awe of the love of God. Because listen, you've been created to enjoy God's love for you. Not just know his love, but to enjoy his love. And listen, when that happens, when you start to actually experience God's love in that way, here's the cool thing that happens. It begins to fill you up and it overflows and it begins to, fill, begins to spill out into impacting those around you. It changes your relationships because here we've been created to what? To be an expression of God's love to others around us. It, it'll change our family. It'll change the way we do church. But we need to come to a place like John, where John says, I saw it. I touched it. 
You know, I've experienced this love. In fact, you, you see the words he uses in verse three. He says, that which we've seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to have fellowship. Now, that's a word that kind of gets lost in, in our, the way we would use it. We just talk about fellowship as getting together, having coffee. The, this word, it comes from the Greek, it's called, the word was koinonia and it means something so much deeper than just having coffee with somebody. This is a, a deep understanding and knowing and, and close bond. It's, a, it's an intimate relationship. Relationship. It's, it's like the relationship between a husband and a wife. Like you have fellowship. You know each other. John just said, hey, you have that kind of a bond, that kind of an intimate relationship with the Father and Jesus Christ. I mean, think about that. Think about, about God's love in that terms, that, that you would have this kind of intimate relationship with, with God the Father, the creator of the universe, that through Christ, that Jesus made a way through his life, death, and resurrection, that we could have this kind of intimate, everlasting fellowship with God. Now, here's the thing. Think about that connection. And then think about the junk in your life. Think about the sin. I mean, if I had the technology to be able to go, hey, here's what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna go right down through the line, every person in the room, and I got this new technology that we can actually replay all your sin from just this past week up on the screen. Every action, every word, here's the crazy thing, the technology's so good, we're gonna play your thought life as well, all right? And it'll all be up there for everybody to see. Now, how would that go over? People are like, you won't need to go to one service, you can go to no services because we ain't coming anymore, right? Right? What happened? Like, what, what would be experienced? You'd experience shame, you'd experience fear, You'd maybe experience despair as that's played out for everyone. Listen, listen, here's the crazy part of God's love. A holy, righteous God sees it all. We don't deserve to, to be anywhere near a righteous, holy God based on our actions. In fact, left on our own, in our sin, we deserve everlasting punishment, which is what? Separation from God's love for eternity. But that's the amazing of amazing grace. This is the, the grand canyon of God's love, that, that God hasn't left us alone, separated from him in our sin. that he comes to us in Jesus. The Jesus who, who we've seen, who we've heard, who we've touched. But here's the thing, how have we touched Jesus? We touched Jesus by nailing him to a cross, by crucifying him. As, as rebellious sinners against God, we took God in the flesh and nailed him to a cross, the most cruel form of death we could conceive in our minds. But here's the thing, Jesus endured the cross and do you know why? Scripture says he did it. Why? Because he loves you. John says in this letter here in 1 John 3, 16, he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, that Jesus willingly, lovingly died for sin he didn't commit, took the punishment we deserve, which was death. And he did it all so that when we repent, when we turn to him in faith, we turn from our sin and our rebellion against God and his lordship, when we believe and put our faith in Christ, that he's made a way for us to have fellowship, intimacy with God, marriage-like closeness with the creator. I mean, think about how unbelievable this is. That when, when you drive home after the service and you're driving through God's creation, you can look around and go, wow, the creator of the universe, I, I have a relationship with him. That I, I can talk to him. 
that I can listen to him. Listen, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you can have fellowship with God. And I so badly don't want us to miss this, that in the busyness of life and all the details of our day and in the pressures you have and the challenges you have that you're walking through right now, even in the stuff you need to do spiritually-wise and church-wise, man, I want you to understand this. I want us to get this, that Jesus has made a way for us to experience joy in fellowship and union with God. I mean, don't miss that. Don't walk past that. Don't live your life without being in awe of the love of God. In fact, don't walk that way and call it Christianity because that's not Christianity. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you're kind of just exploring the whole Christian thing. You're just going to looking from the outside. Listen, hear the good news that Jesus offers you everlasting love. That, that he's come, he's, he's died on a cross for your sin, to conquer your sin, to cover it completely. He's made a way for you to have fellowship with God, that you could have that relationship today. There's no list of things you need to do. There's not, here are the 10 things you need to check off. Here are the things you need to do or don't do. No, when you just turn and say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. I wanna be reconciled to you. That he answers that prayer today. For those here this morning, and, and you know Christ, but if you're honest with yourself, you, you, you don't have this kind of fellowship with God. You don't have this kind of intimacy with God or this closeness to God. Listen, I, I wanna plead with you this morning that as we walk through this book together over these next couple of months, don't settle for anything less than experiencing and knowing the love of God. Don't settle for a picture of it, but you would stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon of God's grace. I mean, John was so overwhelmed by this. You see it all through this letter that he writes. In fact, historians would tell us this. This isn't in scripture, but it's in in history that they would say that as John got really old, when he couldn't even walk, they they would carry him into church services and they would sit John down in the middle of a service like ours today. And he'd say, he would say this. He'd say, you're children of God. Love one another. He just said it over and over again in his last years. Now, how did John get there? How was John so overwhelmed by the love of God? Listen, you maybe need to understand something about John's life to get this. John was one of the 12 disciples. But here's the thing. You, I guess when you think of disciples, I, I think of John especially. I, I kind of have this picture of this kind of flowy blonde hair, and he's kind of this really nice guy, Right? That's not actually the picture you get when you read about who John was in Scripture. In fact, when when Jesus first called James and John, they were brothers, he gave them a nickname. First of all, I love that Jesus would give people nicknames. I don't know why. I think that's so cool. But Jesus sees these guys and he goes, man, you guys are sons of thunder. How how, how cool of a nickname is that? Sons of thunder. right? I kind of think that's like the, the coolest professional wrestling tag team name you could ever have, right? And now, coming to you, the sun, right? You know, ACDC's playing, thunder, right? And they're coming down the aisle, sons of thunder. No, anybody else? Okay, maybe just me. All right. But here's the thing. You don't get a name, son of thunder, because you're a really quiet, nice guy, right? These guys were probably rough around the edges that Jesus said, man, you guys are sons of thunder, in fact, there was a time when, when they were walking along and they were gonna go into this Samaritan village and the Samaritan village didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. So, so James and John, sons of thunder, they come to Jesus and they say, hey, Lord, you want us to uh, tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? 
That's a son of thunder thing to say, isn't it? One, how arrogant not to say, hey, Jesus, could you call down fire? They're like, hey, no, we got this. You want us to call down fire from heaven? Hey, come on. They're not listening to you. Let's go Sodom and Gomorrah on these guys. Let's bring it, right? Not real pastoral, not real loving. Jesus rebukes them. He's like, hey, how about we pray for them? How about we go and, and share the love of God with them, you know, rather than fire from heaven today, all right? You keep tracking with who this John guy is. There's later in the, in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 10, again, sons of thunder, they both come together and they, they say to Jesus, hey, hey, could you, could you give us something? Like if we were to ask you, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. Which I love a way of asking the question, right? Don't your kids do that to you sometimes? You have kids? Hey, 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 mom, hey, dad. Like, um, would you say yes if I ask you this? Well, what are you gonna ask? Tell me first. That's how they kind of approach Jesus. Hey, would you say yes to this question? And Jesus is like, hey, tell me what you want. They say this, they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in glory. Does that seem prideful to anybody else? They say, Jesus, like we know you came from heaven and you're talking about you're going back to heaven. Just wonder if when, when you go to heaven, you're probably gonna be on your throne in heaven because you know, we talk about how, how all the, the, the world and, and angels will be just worshiping you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb who's slain. That's gonna be going all around you. But we kind of think there's probably room for more than one throne. So, so now, humbly, you get the middle throne, all right? We'll take the other two, right? And she's oh, so humble of you. That's great. I mean, you read about John in the Gospels, you get the idea that he's, he's kind of rough, he's kind of impatient. At times he's unloving, he's unkind. I wonder if maybe James and John were a bit intimidating. He was proud, he was self-seeking. And yet when John experiences the love of God in Jesus Christ, he's completely changed. Listen, if God could change somebody like John, a son of thunder, he could change anyone. God could change you. God could change me. And, and here's John now. He, he's an old man. Now listen, he's been through a lot. Even at this point, uh, uh, history tells us that the religious and political leaders hated John. They, they tried to kill him by boiling him. In, in the, it's either water or oil. Both, there's two different ways that you read in history. They, they tried to boil him alive, to kill him. Now here's son of thunder. The dude survived, right? That's a son of thunder, right? You get boiled in, in Greece and you come out going, what up? Right? So here's John. They couldn't kill him. They send him to the Isle of Patmos. So you're done. We're, we're just going to get rid of you. And here he is writing this letter as this old pastor to his churches. And what's John known for? Near the end of his life, he was known for being the most loving pastor. He's transformed. And what's he saying to us? He says, hey, you can have this fellowship too. He says, I'm writing these things to you that you can share in this joy. This is for you too, that, that when you get this, when you understand this, when this is your foundation, when this is what matters to you, that you have eternal life, that, that you see and experience the love of God, that it changes you, that, that as a church we change. We become the most loving people around. And for sure, listen, listen, even with those foundations, even with that underneath you, yeah, we'll still make mistakes. We'll, we'll still to, do things to each other that hurt each other. But listen, with, with, when we're experiencing the love of God, the forgiveness of God, that forgiveness overflows to each other. And you live in a way that a watching world looks in and says, man, I can't believe how loving those people are. Man, I can't believe that they forgave that. I mean, that person sure hurt them. And man, they're walking, they're forgiving. I mean, how could you love like that? Why? John was changed. We could be changed. John was changed from being a son of thunder to a loving pastor. Man, I, I find that to be so much hope and encouragement. 
that he experienced the love of Jesus. He was changed as he put his hope in that. The hope of the gospel, the truth that he was a sinner, but he was set free by Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. Listen, as we close this morning, these are two truths we can build our lives on. That, that, that you can know you have eternal life, that you can experience the love that God has for you, not, not just as an idea, but that God in Christ absolutely, completely loves you, accepts you, that, that right now as a Christ follower, that you are clothed in Christ's righteousness. But do you know this? We're gonna be circling back on this in this series over and over again because if, if you know Christ, if you've touched it, felt him, Jesus who came in the flesh, listen, as he's done these things for you, if you're sure of, of who Christ is and who he says you are, you can face anything. And so much better than just behavior modification, so much better than I need a technique to think better or to think differently. No, no, so much better than that. It's, it's not just having better thoughts, it's putting your life and your thoughts in deep into the living water of the hope of eternity, the hope of knowing Christ Jesus. So when, when you're faced with trials and difficulty, you can say, listen, I know the creator of the universe. I know the one who invented life the one who was, who was there at the beginning and he was willing to die for me. Now, now, if that's true, for sure, bad things can be happening to me and around me, but I know the one who really counts and, and I know he's working out all things for his glory, for my good. I know that he's, he's sovereign and ruling over all these things and everything that's going on is out of his loving purpose. That changes us. But we say someday I know he's coming back and he's gonna put all this brokenness to rest. He's gonna heal it all. That's putting your roots deep down into joy. That's knowing the Father's love for you. Would you stand with me as we close this morning as the worship team comes up as we pray? You know, this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed as we, as we pray, as we commit this to the Lord, I just, I want you to think about where you are this morning. Where's your hope? I mean, do you have a joy in knowing that, that, that you can experience the eternal love of God? Maybe you're not a Christian this morning. And you don't know this eternal life. You, you don't know, you don't have that, that surety, that, that certainty that they know, I know I have eternal life. Listen, that even right now you can cry out to God in your heart and you can pray, God, I need you to forgive me of my sin. Bring me into fellowship with you. You died on the cross for my sin and I trust in you as the Lord of my life. Listen, if you pray that, you can be reconciled to God right now. Maybe this morning you're a Christ follower, but you've lost your joy. And you don't have hope today. And I pray this, that you would know that you have eternal life. I pray that you would experience the, the love of God's everlasting love in your life. All of this found in Jesus. And I pray that as we, as we place our lives on this hope in Christ, that it would overflow 
love of God through you, through me, through us as a church in a way that spreads, spreads to each other, that, that joy spreads through this church and all over Muskoka. So let me pray this even right now. Lord Jesus, we want to know you. We want to enjoy you. We want to experience the depth of your eternal love for us. We don't want a half-hearted experience. We want the whole thing. So Jesus, even this morning, we're coming to you right now. We're saying, Lord, we, we need you. And based on your word, we're, we're seeing that, that you are our hope. You are the key to it all. You are eternal life. You offer everlasting love. Thank you for revealing the love of the Father to us, Lord Jesus. I pray that over these coming weeks and months that you would even more clearly allow us to live and experience in greater ways than we ever have before the everlasting love that you offer us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together.